She said, I'm not that young. (laughs) Well, anyway, happy birthday. All right, well, let's get ready for the word. Y'all ready? Hold on to your note sheets. We're going to lift them up in the air as we honor the written word right now, which is, you know, we govern our lives by the written word of God. Even every prophetic word or any other rhema word we get from God, we all judge. We judge it all by the written word. Amen? If it doesn't line up with the written word, then it's not God. Amen? So we live our lives. We build our lives on the rock of ages, on the rock of his word, because when we build build our house on the rock, It'll stand right through every storm. And the storms do come for our lives. Amen? You're either just coming out of one, you're in one, or you're you're going into one. The storms of life are going to happen. They happen for all of us. But God says if we build our house on on his rock of the word, that our house will stand right through every storm. Amen? All right. Say this with me. Say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Ooh, say that line again. He has anointed me to hear and apply his word. I'm about to know better so that I may do better, have better, and be better. I am becoming everything God has destined me to be. I am becoming everything the devil fears I'll be. I'm becoming everything that the haters say I could never be. So after today... I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, slap three people, high five, and say, you better declare it. Amen. All right, so open up your note sheets and let's get started. Amen. That's why you have a clipboard there so you can open up your note sheets. You want to have a pen and follow along um, and fill in the blanks so when you go home, you'll know what you learned. We're a church that, you know, we we want you to think when you come here. I don't want you to just come in and get in your emotions and feel like, oh, this is so good. But I want you to receive the word into your spirit man. Amen. It's important that you're taught the word of God. I love the goosebumps. I love all that. But, But it's important that we're taught the word of God solidly so that we can take it home and apply it to our lives. Amen. All right, so we are in this season, this year. This year is called uh, uh, our year of tremendous fruitfulness. We've declared from the beginning of the year that by the end of this year, we would not be the same, that we would grow to another level. Amen. How many of you know once you grow to, to one level and one level of thinking and one, one level of living, there's no way you can go back to old thinking. You can't go back to old living. Once you've t- the Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And once you've tasted of the goodness of God and living in his goodness and living in his word, you really can't go back to your old thinking. You can't go back to small thinking. Woo, somebody better listen to me this morning because God has taken us into a new season. Amen. We've declared all this um, this month that this is a season of new beginnings or this is a this is a, a, a time for a new season in our lives. As we turn the corner into summer, every, everything's different. You know, we're focused on having fun and barbecues and that kind of thing. It's a new season. And so when you come into a new season, you know, God wants you to be, um, it, he wants you to move towards greater. He wants you to move towards better. Amen. We constantly, it's the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's calling us upward. So I can't be satisfied with with little, small, safe places. Safe ain't going to cut it. 
Amen. You have to be willing to be daring and step out into a new way of thinking, a new way of living, a new a, a life that stretches you. How many of you know it's easy to just be comfortable? But for me, that would be a death sentence. I'm always stretching myself. I'm, I'm always stretching. You know, think about Peter. After Peter, you know, he said, Lord, if it's you, call me out. Call me out this boat. Now, Peter knew everything there was to know about boats, right? Because Peter was a fisherman. That's what he did. He'd throw them nets out. He knew right where to stand on the boat, right where not to stand. You flip it over or what have you. He knew everything about boats. And I'm sure that he knew that it was impossible to walk on water. But Jesus called him out to a season of thinking that would be above anything he'd ever thought before. He said, Lord, if it's you, call me to come to you. And held on with the other. Maybe. I'm just guessing that's what I'd do. Is this, is this, is this, is this water's boat? But by, by the time you think I've come this far, I've come this far, I might as well go with God and let go and see where the grace of God, where the power of God, where the supernatural power of God will take me in this season. See, he had to leave safe behind. He had to leave smallness, the smallness of a boat behind and step out on something bigger and greater, something that just blow your mind. How could he ever go back to boat thinking after he'd been on walking on water? How could he ever go back? I couldn't do it. I could, I'd just be like, guys, I'm going fishing. I'm standing out here on the water throwing that net. <laughs> Amen. How could you ever go back? Once you, you knew, I wonder if Peter ever tried it again. We don't hear any more about it, but it doesn't mean he didn't do it. But it was a new season. God's calling you out to the unfamiliar. So what he told Abraham, Abraham, get away from your people. Get, get away from them. No, 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 bring a lot. Oh, he's bringing a lot. He told him to get rid of it. Just come get Ever, just you and Sarah, come on. Called him out to a land I'm going to show you where. Don't worry about it. Beyond where we are right now. So I want you to come out of small thinking. Come out of safe thinking. Yeah, ain't nobody mad but the devil. I'm actually enjoying my life. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying Golf courses are beautiful. They, they are so well manicured. They're some of the most beautiful places you've ever seen in your life. And you're riding a little golf cart. I mean, it's just, it's just fun. It's just fun. And, and it can be frustrating, too. So I'm having to stretch myself, you know, because golf is a very humbling sport. It's not like doing cartwheels. I mean, once you master a cartwheel, you've mastered a cartwheel. But, I mean, when you get out there and you get ready to hit a ball and, and everybody's watching you, because everybody's taking their turn, you get nervous and, and you forget everything they just taught you, and then you whiff, you miss the ball completely, then you're totally humiliated. And man, I tell you, I had a, a rough time last week. I thought I was over, you know, being emotional and stuff. Y'all, I started crying. <laughs> I'm on the golf course, and I and I, I'm like. I miss it or I hit it wrong or it went the wrong. And then I'm trying to hit a club that I'm not real familiar with because you have to have something like you hit your driver that gets you off the tee, you know, about a good ways down the, down the fairway, right? And then you take a, a different kind of club, which is an iron or, or a, a different a, a club, another one of your woods or whatever, <laughs> and, you, and you try to hit it a little further. But you can't tee this one up. 
So it's, it's a whole different swing, and it's, it's hard, y'all. I declare it's hard. And you want to do so good because when you go to the driving range, you know, you see yourself just winning the PGA. I mean, you see yourself, oh, they're going to wait till they see me hit like this. They're all going to be impressed. It's, it's very humbling, though. You get out there, and everything you learned is like you hit it good one day, and then the next day you, you act like you don't know anything. Golf is a hard game. It's really hard. So, yeah, I get out there, and I'm just, I, I couldn't hit it. And then it went all the way that way. Then I'll go over there and hit it, and it goes all the way this way. And I'm trying to go that way. So I was so frustrated with myself. And Murray's like, well, do you want to just put it where mine is? I'm like, no, never mind. I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> so I was crying before it was over with. I'm like, I don't, just don't even want to play anymore. I'm like, I, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. Why am I even doing this? Then the next day, then I go to the range that afternoon, and I'm hitting them really good. And the next morning I go, and I'm, doing a little bit better and now I'm in love with the game again all his friends are like well welcome to golf <laughs> that's just what it's like but God's stretching me you know I'm, I'm having to conquer and do some things that I haven't done before but if I want to be in this season of enjoying my life I have to stretch you know it's hard I have to do some things that are uncomfortable I don't want to swing a club while everybody's watching me I just want to go to the range I've decided I don't like to play golf I just like to practice golf but anyway, God wants us to stretch into a new season. Amen. Stretch into a new level. Be ready to let go of what's small, what's familiar. And to step out into something big. Amen. Something that's beyond you. So we're looking at a new season. And Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And you know, God said, you know, um, back in 2003 when a prophetic word was spoken over my life, he said, your future is about to change. He said, your life shall be made glad. And all others who come in contact with you, their lives also shall be made glad. So, y'all, my life is glad. I'm in a season of a glad, glad life. So, y'all are in contact with me, so I say glad, 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 and more glad. Amen. Receive it in Jesus' name. And sometimes it's hard to receive it when you've been through... You know, a life that's just been a lot of struggle. It's been hard. Life's been hard. And I know life can really beat you up. Life can be hard. But God wants you to come into a season like Job. He said the, the, the last days of Job were the best days. He says your latter will be greater. Amen. So I just had to share that that's kind of where I'm at today. Pretty happy. So we're... Amen. Receive the gladness. Double portion. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Well, we're, we're kind of celebrating Independence Day, so I just kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit. Um, Independence Day is, is, is where we signed the Declaration. That's really 243 years that we've, we've been a country, 243 years. That's not that long. 12,678 weeks, 88,000 of a unique and a one-of-a-kind country of freedom and independence. It's of the people, by the people, and for the people. Amen. So this is the document that was signed by our forefathers on July the 4th, declaring our independence. Just, it's a declaration of our independence from the oppressive rule of England. So it was just a declaration. That's what the paper is. It's a declaration of our independence from every other country that we are a sovereign nation and this is how we're going to be governed. Amen. That everybody has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Amen. That's a right that can never be taken away from us as, as human beings. So it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with a certain 
unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Amen. So we, you know, and then God said, goes even further than just life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. God says, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. A life that, that's in abundance to the full till it overflows. So that's our declaration of independence. You know, that's the declaration of independence for our country. But we, we actually have a declaration of dependence on God. Amen. And so we're, we are independent from anything that is not like God. Amen. But we have to declare it out of our mouths. You know, 55 years later, after the Declaration of Independence was written, there was a French writer, and, um, and he visited America. And his name was, was actually Alexis de Tocqueville. Sounds like Tocqueville, doesn't it? Tocqueville. I'm sure it was Tocqueville or something French sounding like that. But look at what he said. He said, I sought for the greatness of the United States in her commodious harbors, her ample rivers, her fertile fields and boundless forests, and it was not there. I sought for it in her rich mines, her vast world commerce, her public school system, and in her institutions of higher learning, and it was not there. I looked for it in her democratic congress and her matchless constitution, and it was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits flame with righteousness did I understand. So the Declaration of Independence, it, it's... Of independence, it declares our freedom. I had no education, no, I mean, didn't even finish high school, but I owned a photography studio that was very prosperous back in the 90s and the 2000s. I didn't sell it until 2005. But for all those years, my studio was incredibly prosperous. I got me a piece of the American pie, the, what do you call it, the, the American dream, amen? That anything is possible in America, that we're free to prosper in a country. So many countries, people are divided by class. And you can't, I mean, you, you can't, you can't rise up above wh whatever your station is in life. But in America, praise God, in America, even if you're dumb, you can, you can just talk, talk about, you know, talk bad about things that are good all day long. You have the right, you have the right to do that. So inalienable rights, what is that? It's incapable of being alienated, surrendered or transferred. Amen. But long before this, Jesus made us free. So they simply made a, a, a declaration of what God had already given and intended for us. John 8, 36. It says, therefore, if the Son does what? Makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And Galatians 5, 1 says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. See, we're free in Christ. He, he forever satisfied the judgment that was against us. We are free in Christ. We, you know, the law of Moses, that's, you know, we're not bound by that anymore, but we're free to, to make mistakes. Amen. And we will make mistakes. We're free to receive um, forgiveness. We're, we're free in the grace of God. Amen. The liberty by which God, Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So look at this statement right here. Knowing the truth has the power to make us free. Knowing the truth has the power to make us free. Knowing it and putting it to work in your life. You can't just know it. You can't just be a hearer only, but you got to be a doer of the word. Decide that you're going to... John 8, 31 through 32 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, 
and the truth, living out what I tell you, you are my disciples for sure. Then you will experience for yourselves the truth, and the truth will free you. Wow. Wow. Living out what I tell you. Living out what I tell you. That's why it's so important that you get in Firm Foundation. Our Firm Foundation classes are on Sunday morning at 930 with Pastor Carolyn. Where is Pastor Carolyn? There she is right there. You ought to come in at 930 on Sunday mornings and get in class with Pastor Carolyn Firm Foundation so that she can give you the spiritual truths that you need to build your life on. Amen. So that's why you got to And it's taught in such a way that you can take it and apply it to your life. So you need to get in in, uh, Firm Foundation. If you finish Firm Foundation, you need to get in leadership development. That's on Sunday mornings at 932. Okay, so what is free? Unrestrained and at liberty. 2 Corinthians 3.17, he says, "Now Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So isn't it wonderful that we serve a God that says that we are at liberty, that we're not under restraints. It's not religion, but it's a real relationship with God. That's so good, such good news. That just really takes the pressure off, amen? Because when you're in a relationship with someone, it's sort of like a give and take, isn't it? You're in a relationship with someone, you care about them, they care about you, you overlook flaws, they overlook, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. Okay, now I gave everybody a flag. Did everybody get your flag? Everybody just kind of grab your flag. If you don't have a flag, did everybody get a flag and... Uh, Let's just look at the flag. You know, of course, we know that the, that the stars represent the states. And, uh, and the, the red, white, and the blue, it all has meaning. But we look deeper and we, looked at, we look at the spiritual meaning. You know, America is a sovereign country. It, it was built on the word of God. It was built by people who were oppressed in England and didn't want to live that way anymore. They wanted to live with, to, able to worship God because in England, they told them how they were going to worship, whether it was the Catholic church that was in charge or whether it was a Protestant church, whatever it was at that time, they told you what to believe and they told you what to do. And anything other than that, they'd chop their heads off. So... Um, so they wanted to have religious liberty, and that's why they came here. And that's what this country being built is all about. And so when you look at the flag, you can see a, a country that was built on the word of God. So Revelation twenty-two sixteen, Jesus said, I am the root and the offspring of David. So he, I was there before David ever was. In fact, before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> so I'm the root and the offspring of David. And then he says, the bright and morning star. So when you look at the stars, you can say, okay, that's Jesus. Amen. Isaiah 53, 5, when you look at the red stripes, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Amen. By his stripes, we are healed. And then the the little stick represents the wood. You know, you think about the cross. And then think about the rod of Moses. While, While the while the, the standard of God was held up, that rod of Moses, it reminded them of every miracle that God had ever done. You know, they, it, as long as Moses held that up while Joshua was in the battle, Joshua would win. But when his arms would get weak and it would fall down, then Joshua would lose. And so, you know, you've got to keep the standard of God lifted high. Amen. Keep remembering the miracles that he's done already in your life. Keep remembering the, the things that God has already said and already done. Remember the people in the Bible that God has already done mighty things for. So you keep it lifted up. Amen. And so um, the white. So red is symbolic of the blood. White is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And then blue, of course, 
is symbolic of authority. And see, God didn't just put us here um, to just be run over by the enemy, but he gave us his authority. So you can look at that flag and just preach a whole sermon. But we have the authority to declare our deliverance from oppression and bondage of any kind. And things must obey our voice. Things must obey our voice. Death and life. Proverbs 18 says, death and life is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So what you're speaking out of your mouth is what you're going to live. That's why it's so important that we get our minds right so that we start talking right. Death and life is in the power of my tongue. We've been positioned in the grace of God, but from there, from this position of grace, we rule and reign our domain in Jesus' name. We rule and reign with the authority of God and by speaking his word. So our spiritual freedoms, they got to be declared. Amen. They have to be spoken. Here's the keys to defending our spiritual rights. Are you looking at Matthew 16, 19? It says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now look at it in the Amplified because it tells you how you bind and how you loose. He said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, whatever you de, whatever you what? Declared to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, declare lawful on earth, must be what is already loosed in heaven. So let me tell you what. When Jesus died and was raised and ascended to the Father, the Bible says that he led captivity captive. That he went up and he sprinkled the mercy seat with the blood of of God himself. the, The blood of Jesus Christ. And that he made a way for us. Amen. He set at liberty. He gave us liberty and so he has already made a way so when we declare to be improper and unlawful unlawful on earth is already bound in heaven see when jesus when jesus died on that cross he said it is finished and on the way to the cross he took those stripes on his back that paid for our for our sickness so already in the heavenlies god has already decided what he thinks about sickness he's already decided what he thinks about your doctor report he's already decided what he thinks about poverty and lack he has already paid the price he has already done it the blood is already there on the mercy seat crying out in our behalf but we have to declare it out of our mouths in jesus name he's already done it he's already made the way but he put the power in your mouth hallelujah so number one, the keys to defending our spiritual rights, number one, is, is to declare our independence from sickness and disease. <coughs> our independence from sickness and disease. So God has already decided. He said it is finished. He's already decided what he thinks about sickness. He's already decided what he thinks about high blood pressure. He's already decided what he thinks about cancer. He's already decided what he thinks about diabetes. He's already decided what he thinks about heart attacks and strokes. He's already decided what he thinks about weakness. Or He's already decided what he thinks about all that. Amen. And he, 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 he took the penalty for it upon his very own body. Amen. So Psalm 103, 2 through 4 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities and who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? Hallelujah. So you just take this scripture. Just say you get a report from the doctor. You take this scripture and you turn it into a prayer. You say, Father God, 
I bless you right now. Oh, my soul, I bless your holy name. I will not forget your benefits, all that you have provided for me from the cross. Lord God, you forgive every iniquity. I stand before you clean and righteous, wearing the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because you died for me, I wear your righteousness. So I stand before you forgiven for every wrong thing I've ever done. I stand before you pure and clean, and you heal every disease. So I'm not tripping about this doctor's report. I'm not tripping about what, what these symptoms are I feel on my body. I thank you, Lord God. Your word says that you heal every disease. So I call cancer healed now in Jesus' name. I call whatever sickness would try to be on my body, I cast it off and declare it. It is unlawful to be on my body. But you have to declare it. Sickness, go. Go now. You have to talk to it like you have authority. Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't tiptoe around. Jesus, Jesus healed people by saying, get off him. Woman, you're healed from your infirmity. Rise up and walk. Get your bed and walk up and go, and walk and go home. Hallelujah. Peter and John said to the man sitting there with, with, um, weak ankles. He couldn't, he couldn't walk. He used to, used to sit and beg. They'd set him every day at this certain gate. They were going into the temple and he raised his hand expecting to receive something from him. But Peter said, silver and gold have I not, but such as I have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the Bible says that he leaped up on his feet and began to shout and to praise God. Our God is a healing God. The woman with the issue of blood pressed through the crowd and she touched the hem of his garment. And he said, virtue flowed out of me. You got to be willing to press into God and say, God, I thank you that if you healed that woman, you've got to heal me. If you heal blind Bartimaeus, you've got to heal me. You know, I heard about a friend of mine, um, Bill, uh, Bill Morris, who's a singer, he sang on TBN and everything, Bill and Renee Morris, and uh, he, he got a report that he had some kind of liver or pancreas cancer or something like that, and he made an appointment with the specialist, just like the doctor told him to do. He was going to the specialist, and he was sitting in the, he was sitting in the waiting room. He said he heard an audible voice say, what are you doing in here? Because he'd already gotten a prophetic word from somebody. God says you're healed. So faith is an act. And that's a tough one. That's a tough one. But he's sitting in the doctor's office. And he, he's, he said, now, I didn't see anybody behind me. So I thought, okay, well, now I'm hearing things. But he said he heard it again. I said, what are you doing here? He said, I don't know, but I'm getting out right now. <laughs> So he got up and he left, amen, and he's still healed to this day of whatever it was that they said that he had, amen. Then Bill Barnett, who's a member of our church, he was sharpening his blade on his lawnmower, sharpening the blade on his lawnmower, and and, uh, he slipped and cut his hand. And he knew he had cut it deeply and he had cut it bad. So he grabbed a hold of it real quick. And as he walked into the, to the kitchen, into his house, he said, by his stripes, I'm healed. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. And when he opened his hand to rinse it out, expecting to see blood, there was no blood. There was no cut. God had healed his hand. Real miracle. I, I saw a man, Jesse, uh, Jess Farmer, who got healed in front of my very eyes at that little church I showed y'all last week. He um, had had a stroke. And um, his face was paralyzed on one side. It's like his face was like, like drooping on one side. His arm and leg wouldn't move on one side. And, he was, and so he prayed over him and began to walk. He said, now faith is an act, so put that cane down. 
and he started to walk, you know, as the pastor held, you know, held him. And he, you know, he walked and it was kind of slow going for a while. And he, he walked real slow. And then, then he turns in the turn, let's go the other way. He held him and he got a little more straight and a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. He turned around to walk the other way. By this time, he was walking on both of his legs and we were all shouting. By the time he turned to go around the fourth time, his face went back totally to normal. And he walked and walked. And the more he felt better, the more he began to really realize I'm really healed until he ran down the aisle like this and turned around and ran all the way back up and ran up the stairs, jumping and praising God. God is still a healing God. He is still a healing God. And we, we had that, uh, that cane on the stage. We kept it just to remind ourselves that God still heals. Amen. And uh, when he went back to his uh, doctor for his therapy, they said that he said the therapist started crying. He said, because there's no way you, it would take 18 months to declare your independence from whatever it is that's attacking your body. Your body is holy ground. It's trespassing. God has already declared that sickness is unlawful in heaven. You bind whatever is bound in heaven. You bind it on the earth. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven, and a no on earth is a no in heaven. Amen? We have the right to declare what God has said in his word. Amen? God says this, you know, when it comes to declaring, Isaiah 43, 26, he says, Put me in remembrance. Remind me of your merits. Let us plead and argue together. Set forth your case that it may be justified, proved right. He says, set forth your case. And when you think about Hezekiah, that's what Hezekiah did. Because Hezekiah was a king and he was sick. And he was, he was like almost dead. And Isaiah, the man of God, the prophet of God from that day. Now, Isaiah wasn't one of the minor prophets. Isaiah was a major prophet. And the man of God walks into Hezekiah's room and says, Hezekiah, you're going to die. Get your, get your affairs and your house in order. You're going to die. And Isaiah turns around to go, to go out and to leave. And Hezekiah, it says that he turned his face to the wall and he began to cry out to God and say, now, God, haven't you seen how I've lived before you and I've done right and I've done good things and I brought your word back and I, I tore down all the, all the, the, the altars of Baal and everything that have been, don't, don't you remember I've done good. I'm not ready to die. The Bible says he satisfies you with long life. If you're not satisfied, you need to go to him and plead your case and say, God, I'm not ready. I think I want just a little bit more. And so before Isaiah could get halfway out the court, the courtyard, God stops and he says, go back and tell Hezekiah I'm giving him 15 more years. And he said, just to show him that I mean business, I'm going to turn the sundial back 10 degrees, which means I got to stop. When you think about turning the sundial back 10 degrees, that means that the whole solar system had to stop and go backwards 10 degrees. Only God could do something like that. But that was just so that his child would be at peace and know that God was going to give him 15 more years. God is a healing God today. And sickness and disease and, and, and bondage of any kind in your body, addiction, that does not belong to you. It is trespassing on your body. And every day you ought to be telling it, you get off my body. You get out of me. You have no place with me. You have no portion in my life. There ain't no room for you. I'm about to enjoy my life. Amen. So you tell it to go. Tell it to go. And then structure your life in such a way that you declare, you just continue to declare his goodness over you. Amen. Amen. So God is a healing God. 
So let's make our, our declaration of independence from the oppression of sickness. Amen? Say this with me. Say, I declare my independence from the oppression of sickness. I am a child of God, and my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Nothing apart from God can attach itself to me in Jesus' name. Amen. That's how it's done right there. You just made a declaration, and all of hell was listening to you. Demons get upset. Demons get frantic. When you start talking the word of God, demons flee. Amen. Amen. All right. Then number two, we have to declare our independence from lack. That, that lack has no portion with us. When God put mankind here on this earth, he had already prepared the garden for him. Did you hear what I said? He didn't put the man here till the provision was here. He wouldn't have set you in the year 2019 without having already put your provision here. Everything that you need is already here. Last time I checked my Bible, the Bible says the whole earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and everybody that's in it. If he needs to talk to somebody over here on your behalf and tell them that they need to supply your need, that, they, that what they have is a seed in your life, amen, then God has the ability to do that the whole earth is the lord the world everything in it and everybody that is in it hallelujah so lack lack has no part with you it has no part. that's why lack is so uncomfortable to us as human beings because we have a god who provided for us everything that you know lack came because of the fall of mankind but god has put all that back through jesus christ so we we just have to stand and believe Believe it back. Amen. Amen. Believe your provision. Anywhere where there's lack, you've got to talk to it. Amen. God told Ezekiel, he said, can these dry bones live? He said, prophesy to the bones. And he said, as he prophesied to the bones, there was a rattling and there was a noise. I'm telling you, you ought to start talking to some stuff. Whenever you talk to a mountain, it has to move. you got a mountain of debt. You need to lay the bills out on the counter and talk to them. I call you canceled, right? Canceled on it. I call you, I call you, I call you done. I call you paid in full in Jesus' name. Amen. Lay it out on the counter and talk to it. God is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all you could ask, think, dream, or imagine. He can cause supernatural debt cancellation. We had a couple in our church that were tithers and givers, and you know that your supply is linked to your tithes and your offerings. Amen. That's God's system in the earth. But we had a couple in our church that were, man, they were, they were awesome members. They, they gave tithes and offerings. They, they would look for a reason to sow a seed. They were, they were just givers, just very generous people. And the, and the Bible says the generous soul shall be made fat. Amen. So um, they they got a call from their car loan company telling them, you've just been a really good customer. We're going to cancel half of the debt. They canceled $4,000 off of their, their truck note that they owed. Have you ever heard of that? I have never even heard of that. Any other person ever in my life, I've never heard of somebody getting a call to say, we're just going to cancel half your debt on your on your automobile. Praise God. So you have to declare my, your independence from lack. And so that's where you declare, God, you are my source. You are the sustainer of my life. There's not one need I could have that you can't meet, Lord God. You are Jehovah Jireh. You're the Lord God, my provider. So I cast this bill on you. I cast this care over onto you. And I thank you, God, that you're able to supply all my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
Amen. So you've got to declare your independence from lack. Uh, poverty and lack is oppressive. So you've got to overcome it and be, have an overcomer's mentality. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, I love this. It says, for you're becoming progressively acquainted with and recognizing more strongly and clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his kindness, his gracious generosity, his undeserved favor and spiritual blessing, in that though he was so very rich, yet for your sakes he became so very poor, in order that by his poverty you might become enriched, and abundantly supplied. That's a real good place to say amen right there. Second Corinthians 9, 8, it says that God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Hallelujah. So that, that's, that's the way to live right there. Every favor and earthly blessing come to me in abundance. Glory to God. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So let's make the bold declaration of independence from lack. Ready? I declare my independence from poverty and lack because I am a tither and a giver. God is causing people to help me prosper. Every favor and earthly blessing is coming to me in abundance. I have plenty enough for my family and plenty enough for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, number three, we need to declare our independence from fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety is what would have kept Peter from ever stepping out of that boat. Fear and anxiety is what got a hold of him after he got out there. He began to observe the wind and the rain, and it caused him to sink, beginning to sink. See, he allowed the wind and the waves to tell him he could not do what he was already doing. He was walking on the water. Jesus said, you were doing good. Why'd you doubt? So fear and anxiety will cause us to doubt God. And fear and anxiety, it's, a, it's oppressive as well. They paralyze the believer. Um, I was watching a movie. I've watched it like two or three times because I, I didn't see the beginning of the movie and I just saw the end. I'm like, man, I got to go back and watch that because there's some, some principles in this movie that I saw. The name of the movie is called Rescue Dawn. It does have some bad language in it. So um, you definitely, you know, if that is super offensive to you, which it is to me, but this movie was really good and I was able to get some spiritual nutrition out of it because Rescue Dawn is about a, a pilot who is a true story of a pilot who was shot down in Vietnam and he was captured and uh, was supposed to give up a certain amount of information, and he refused to give it up. They tortured him, and they took him into this uh, camp where they had some other American soldiers that had been there for two years. And so he gets there, and see, he's just fresh. These guys are all starving and half dead and been tore up, beat up and everything. Even though he's been, he had been tortured, he still had a mind of, I'm coming out of this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about to stay in this right here. So the tormentors and their captors, their job was to make them so afraid that they would not even try to escape. And it had worked on those people for two years. But this guy said, no, I'm getting out of here tonight. And they said, oh, you think so? And he's like, "Uh, yeah. They're like, well, you don't know what happens at night. He's like, well, what happens at night? And then the very next shot, they've got all the prisoners laying on their backs with their feet in this big wooden thing that keeps them from moving their feet. 
So they, it, it was like just a big wooden thing with a hole in it, and they put their feet in, and so they, could, they couldn't move their feet. So they were stuck in, in place all night so the soldiers wouldn't have to worry about them at night. So um, he's like, okay, i got to find a way out of this. He says, all I need is a nail. I can Because they, they put handcuffs on them. They had the handcuffs. So they said, all, all, and they handcuffed them all together. So they had to sleep like this. They were all handcuffed together. So he said, all I need is a nail. But see, the ones with the fear and anxiety couldn't even conceive of any way to escape. He said, all I need is a nail. And so one, one of the guys says, I know where there's a nail. And there was a nail in the side of one of the bamboo huts that just held a towel. And... Uh, so he said, well, y'all distract him, and I'll go and get the nail. So he went and distracted the little guy while he's going like this to, to loosen the nail and pull it out. So he sharpened the nail, long story short, and was able to open all their handcuffs. So at night, when the guards thought they were all just laying their handcuffs together, they, they knew how to get out of their handcuffs. And, and sure enough, this guy led them in an escape. He was the only one who actually made it out and made it alive. But, uh, but it just really showed me how... Fear was so paralyzing to these other prisoners that had been tormented with, with, uh, with torture for two years that they couldn't even fathom to think of escaping. But this guy who had a different mindset was able to say, all I need is a nail. See, you, you're letting fear hold you back from something where you could say, all I need is one phone call. All I need is to take this one class. All I need is my credit report to go up 15 points. But you let that one nail, that one nail keep you from escaping the small place, the safe place. Just one nail, one idea, one thing. Somebody who's thinking outside the box. See, fear and anxiety keeps you from thinking outside the box. What do I need to to grow to my next level, to go into my next season? See, you let fear and anxiety hold you down. It's oppressive. Fear and anxiety is a spirit. That's your next blank. Fear and anxiety is a spirit. So when there's, when there's um, fear and you're afraid and you know, you know that you're experiencing fear, that's where you, you begin to declare, for God has not given me the spirit of fear. This spirit doesn't belong to me. This is a spirit that's not from God. If it's not from God, it has no business attaching itself to me. Amen. So, 2 Timothy 1, 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. See, this, these other guys had a spirit of fear. But this one guy was able to think and say, I just need it. All I need is a nail. And that, that one nail was the key to their, to their um, escaping that situation. One nail. What's your one thing, your one idea? Is there something that's kept you in fear for so long that you're not able to think creatively? This is good stuff right here, y'all. Fear is a choice. The Bible says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Did you hear me? Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Philippians 1.28 says that in nothing terrified by your adversary. Don't let anything terrify you. So a believer ought to have a demeanor that terrifies the devil. Yeah, you going through something, you got a doctor's report, or you got something, you got a, a bill, you know you don't have any way to pay, but your demeanor is, I know my God is going to supply my need. Your demeanor is, just, just, you don't look afraid, you don't look scared. In fact, you got a little smile on your face, because you know in whom you have believed. I will lift up my eyes and look at the hills, for I know where my help is coming from. Hallelujah. 
Your demeanor ought to just terrify the devil. I got a demeanor of faith. And my first pastor used to always say, listen to me now, listen. Because the very, your very first thought many times when you get some bad news is to get into fear. He would always say, nothing is ever as bad as it first appears. When you first get that news, the first thing you want to do is call somebody. You want to trip. Call somebody and let get them tripping with you. That's not what you do. That is not what you do. Nothing is ever as bad as it just appears, you know, as it first appears. You know, we've been conditioned to trip out. Maybe mama them tripped out. Maybe grandma used to trip out. Maybe you've just learned. That's what we do. We trip out. No, that's not what we do as believers. We're changing everything. We're leaving the small thinking. We're leaving the small place. We're leaving the safe place, right? And we're stepping out into that place where we dare to believe God at another level. No, we don't trip. We know God's got this. Amen? You know, I was worried about a situation a while back, and God spoke to me, and he said, I am bigger, I am greater, and I am stronger. You have nothing to be concerned about. He said, just declare that I'm bigger. Just declare it out of your mouth. You know what? God, you are so much bigger than this situation. And you talk to your mountain. Talk to it and say, you know what? God is so much bigger than you. I call you moved in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So um, Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 3, 6 says, I will not fear the ten thousands of people or ten thousands drawn, drawn up against me on every side. So we dec- let's declare our, our independence from fear and anxiety. You know, just this morning I was praying with Jenna's son who's having a tonsil, tonsillectomy. If I asked him, did somebody tell you to be afraid? Did somebody tell you something? He said, no. So these are the fiery darts that the enemy is, is putting into his mind to make him be afraid. But see, see, I gave him a formula. Every night I want you to declare, for God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Your child's having nightmares? Get them to declare that every night and every morning before they go to sleep. Say, Father, your word says that I will lie down and my sleep will be sweet. So I declare sweet sleep over myself. And you've not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So I will, I will not be afraid. I am not afraid. I will not be afraid of anything. Amen. You've got to make a declaration. Make a declaration. You'll have whatsoever you say. Death and life is in the power of your tongue. Ready? Come on. I declare my independence from fear and anxiety. For God has not given to me the spirit of fear, so I cast off the spirit of fear and stand in the love, power, and sound mind that God has given me. I place my trust in God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask or think. My God is bigger and greater and stronger than my situation, and I trust Him to perfect everything that concerns me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the number four, our last point, is as we declare our independence from unfavorable circumstances. There will be circumstances that happen in your life that look to be unfavorable. But many times those things that, that look like they're a mess will turn into a message. Those things that look like a setback are really a set up. You know, uh, those things that look like it's just going to step on you becomes a stepping stone for you. Amen. And it rises you up to another level. So it becomes an opportunity for God to do his best work. God does his best work in your lowest places. 
Amen. So when you find yourself in unfavorable circumstances, you got to know that I am an over, you got to say I am an overcomer and faith is changing my circumstances. It's just a matter of time before things change. <clears throat> so I start by overcoming by faith and start working the word. First John 5, 4 says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So you're going to overcome it by faith. Amen. The Bible says that he perfects that which concerns me. So whatever is going on, God's got to perfect it. Amen. So you just call it perfected. Come on, let's declare our independence from unfavorable circumstances. You ready? I declare my independence from unfavorable circumstances. Or you could even put a blank right there and say whatever it is that's going on in your life. God is perfecting everything that concerns me as I overcome by faith in his word. I am blessed and it's just a matter of time before things change. What I see now is only temporary. I am blessed to the Lord and highly favored. Now is the set time for God's favor to shine on my life. I am being delivered out of all persecutions in Jesus' name. Man, I'll tell you, when I just think about November of 2017, where things just looked the darkest for me, I didn't know what I was going to do. Living in an apartment, barely able to pay my rent, and I'm just crying out to God. God, these circumstances don't look right. This don't look anything like what you've told me my life is going to look like. God, when is it going to happen? And, and before I got up off of that ottoman, I got up in faith and I went to my whiteboard in my office. I have a big whiteboard. It's back in my office back now, back, back there now. But I wrote the word all over that whiteboard. Kevin, can you go grab that whiteboard? It's behind my bicycle. Yes, because I just want you to see. I began to, de- began to declare some things. I began to write some things down. And th- that was November of 2017. It was like two, two weeks before I met Murray Snow. Two weeks. I got myself up in faith. You know, you feel like, am I ever going to come out of this? Am I ever going to get to my season where, God, you said my life was going to be glad. You said. You're the one who said it, God. I didn't say it. I didn't ask you for a word. You're the one who spoke it in my life. Why well, put it in my life? I and mean, I've been hoping for it all these years. But now, my office, and I began to just write some things on my, on my uh, and I erased some of it right here. I was going to let somebody write on there. But look. I'm strong and very courageous. This was, this was November of 2017. I'm greatly loved and dearly prized. That was prophetic. Amen. Of course, I'm greatly loved and dearly prized by God, but my husband loves him some me. Amen. <laughs> the victory that overcomes the world is my faith. My eyes are upon you, God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I will not fear. And this, the Lord God is my strength and my personal bravery and my source of courage and my invincible army he has made made my feet like made my feet steady and sure like hind's feet and makes me to walk not to stand still in terror but to walk and make spiritual progress upon my high places of suffering trouble and responsibility of challenge and responsibility habakkuk 3:19 i know the plans and the thoughts that i have for you says the lord thoughts for peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope and expect it in god you said what the end would look like you said my life would be made glad you said it god i got up saying this is what he said i didn't didn't, you, you know god does not respond to your pitifulness 
Being pitiful is not powerful. You can be pitiful or powerful, but you can't be both. I was pitiful on the ottoman for a minute. I had my pity party for just a minute. But like I said, pity parties are no fun. Nobody wants to come and there's no snacks. So I got up from my pity party and I got up in faith and wrote all this stuff on this board and declared, God, I know you got me. I will lift up my eyes and look to the hills from whence cometh my help. Greater is he that is in me, greater in me, what is it? Greater is in me than what's around me. He lives in me. There are more with me than against me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I will finish my race with joy <laughs> and underline joy. I'm an overcomer. The whole earth is the Lord's and the world and everyone in it. See, I'm, I'm, I'm declaring the whole earth is yours, Lord God, and everyone in it. And peace like a river. I declared peace over myself. Amen. Amen. And it was two weeks later that I met my Prince Charming, <laughs> Murray Snow. And uh, my God, has my life been made glad. I'm going, going to my summer home. Getting on a plane. Maybe y'all didn't hear me. Might be some haters. Don't hate y'all. But I'm the one who could barely pay for the apartment. Getting on a plane at 4.30 today to go to my summer home. Go play golf at the country club. See how many haters we got. Go on and hate. Hate if you got to hate. Just go ahead and hate. Amen. But God has blessed my life. He's true to his word. He'll do it. And when it seems the darkest, that's when your, your dawn is just right there. The answer is right there. When it looks the darkest and you feel, you feel like it's so far away. It's you're about to break through. That's when you press in. You're about to break through. Your answer is right there. Amen. Y'all give God some praise. Amen, Lord. We bless you this morning. We say he who is mighty has done unto us mighty things. Lord, what you've done is marvelous in our eyes. You're a good God. You're an awesome God. You're a faithful God. You're so good to us, Lord. We can't worship you enough for your goodness, Lord. We thank you that you've made us free and whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So, Lord, we declare that the meditations of our our heart and the words that come out of our mouth, the fruit of our lips, our tongue is the pen of a ready writer. We will declare your goodness in the earth. We will declare what you say, Lord God, over what we see happening. We declare our independence today from everything that is not like you. We declare that our bodies are healed, that we are well supplied in every area. The whole earth is yours, Lord God, the world and everyone who's in it. So, Lord, we thank you that things are, are lining up that change is just a matter of time and it's coming speedily towards us. Your grace is chasing us down. Thank you, Lord God. There's no need we can have that you can't meet. No need that you don't want to meet, Lord God. We just thank you that it's a matter of timing and we're so grateful, Lord, that you counted us worthy to call us into the ministry. We know that you've, you've brought us into the kingdom for such a time as this. Well, maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Sally, with our heads bowed and all that I am to know if I'm on the... Me, that was... 25 years ago when I was 31 years old, I knelt down in my closet and threw my hands in the air and said, God, I'm through. I have messed. You got to let somebody know that you've made a decision for Christ today. And this is your simple way of letting me know so that I know to pray for you. And not only that, I want to give you a call and let you know what your next steps are in Christ. 